that moment of Kawhi hitting the shot was everything was moving in slow motion, first and foremost. He let the shot go, and it was just like, like literally in the movies when like the one person shoots the final shot and there's zero seconds left on the clock and you're watching it. That's how I felt watching the ball. And I was like, watching, looking, looking, you know, it bounces, it bounces. And then as soon as the ball goes in, it was like somebody took a vacuum seal and like put it right on the ACC. And it was like, it was quiet, like quiet. All right, round two of an intro. We messed up the recording, but we're back at it again. We got Moose B on the show. He is uh, the owner of Moose Media. He's worked for the Raptors during their championship run. He works at Bar Down. And if you didn't already know, he has a mixtape or an EP of rap that he released last year. And you said you got a little music video coming on. So what, what, what do you want to explain that a bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully music video is coming out in December. Um, you know, I filmed it with a couple friends of mine. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Honestly, I'm like, I'm making a music video. Like, you know, it's just like weird, but, um, I'm actually really excited for it. So hopefully I'm going to be making new music in the new year. Um, like I said, it's kind of hard to just like find studio time and do all that kind of stuff, but I do love making music though. I think it's a great creative outlet. And I think, um, it's, really great for me to kind of, cause I've always rapped my whole life. Like I used to freestyle battle people in high school, you know, like outside of like class and stuff. Um, the cafeteria. So that's kind of how I got into like the music, I guess. But literally though, cafeteria freestyles, like after school, like people would be like surrounded around us and I'd be like, yo, your shoes are whack. Everybody like, oh, <laughs> oh like super hot fire style. Um, so yeah, I, uh, but yeah, the, you know, the EP has got like, you know, some rap in it, some, some singing a little bit, um, you know, it's, it's, it's ebb and flow. So it's not, uh, it's not all kind of one genre, which I kind of like. So it's influenced by, uh, people that I listen to, but yeah, hopefully more music on the way. So you're doing a bunch of things. So are you looking to like focus on one or do you want to do all of them? Like, can you walk us through like what you're trying to do with every venue you're in? Cause I think you're very spread out. Yeah. I mean, honestly, man, I want to do it all. <laughs> um, I think that there's no capacity or limit to what you can do um, or hold your, you know, your only limit is your mind. As I say, uh, JK, I never say that. I've never, that's never quite <laughs> that phrase. Fortune, fortune cookie <laughs> philosophy here. Well, you should write a book. Yeah. <laughs> With quotes only that I never have said before. <laughs> Just a liar. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. The liar book. That's what I would call it. Well, the liar book. But honestly, man, like, uh, I, I do believe that you are literally only limited by as much as you can do. And especially while I'm young now, I think I want to get my hands dirty in as many things as possible, do as many things as possible. That's the way it was for me at Ryerson. When I was, when I was in university, I did as much as I could. I tried to be on air. I tried to make other projects happen. I tried to be in other people's projects. I tried to do you know, I was working at the Raptors games, uh, you know, as a fan engagement person, I was trying to do a lot. Um, so I still keep that philosophy with me. So, I mean, right now with bar down, let's say, um, you know, I just started working there freelance, obviously. And I honestly have been a little bit, uh, demotivated in a sense of like, I know that there's more I can do. I should be going to film videos. I should be like making TikToks and doing all of these things, but I've kind of just been like, taking a backseat a little bit because I'm the new guy and they I, I did a lot when I first I first got in the door and I was doing like I tried to do way too much and our boss DK or the boss DK as you know Mose was like pump the brakes stop <laughs> trying to do too much and I was like so sorry so after that I kind of like took a, took a step back 
Um, but I mean, yeah, so with that, I definitely just kind of want to get more content out there and, and film stuff. But honestly, I just, I do want to do as much as I can while I still have the energy while I'm still spring chicken. Like, you know, I'm trying to start a, hopefully going to uh, start a clothing brand sometime soon. Uh, you know, next year I had this sort of thing going with this one guy kind of fell through. Um, so I'm trying to find, you know, new partners to kind of start a clothing brand with, you know, whether it's, whether it's next summer or three summers from now, you know, if it takes a while, there's nothing wrong with the process and taking the time to build something, but, um, you know, the music, right. I want to do the music. Like, I don't want to be an artist, but I want to make music for the rest of my life, hopefully. Um, and then, you know, with Moose Media, honestly, I don't know where I'm taking that. Um, that's my own personal page, obviously. Um, but I've just been posting interviews that I have with people. I've hosted a music festival on there. I just think it's a way for me to kind of just put stuff out there that's my own and that's personal that I can, that, that exists. Um, and it just gives me a way to be able to put that stuff uh, into a means of media, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or whatever the case is. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Like you're interviewing a bunch of like cool people. Like you got Penny Alexiak. I forget the girl's name you just had on, but she's on that TV show. Like, where are you meeting yes. all these people? Sarah Wasteglass, yes, was the last one. Um, yeah. Honestly, friendships, man. Um, I was lucky enough to be introduced to Penny at, uh, um, at like, uh, oh my God, where was it? Joey's in like shops at Don Mills. So my friend oh. invited me out and Penny was there and, and we made friends. And uh, during quarantine, I asked her to do the interview and then our friendship sort of blossomed from there. Uh, same thing with Sarah. I went to high school with Sarah. Uh, so she's, I went to a high school with a lot of people that are in the arts now. I did go to an arts high school. So people that are like musicians, like famous, doing the whole, so I just kind of ask them because I have those personal relationships with them. But honestly, every single one of the interviews that I've had is pretty much personal relationship or I knew somebody that knew that person really, really well. And they kind of like gave me a little in. Even a guy like Akil Thomas you had on. Yes. Where'd yeah, you meet Akil him? Thomas. So I, I so, so Akil Thomas, I knew people that are good friends with Akil. So I was, I actually never even got to meet him personally, but he was like, people that I knew kind of like were in his ear about, Hey, this moose guy wants to interview you. And he was just like, who the heck is this loser? I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> They're like, no, I promise he's a good guy. So then I sent him an email to his Zale uh, apparel company. He responded and we got the interview done. So yeah, but he's, uh, he's an, he's an awesome guy. Um, but I think, yeah, that, that relationship was just because I knew somebody that knew him. It wasn't even like a personal thing. So this kind of reminds me of the last interview we had. We had Max Lewis on, Buzzlord. You're also a Buzzlord, very like talkative, charismatic guy. <laughs> like you love just being in the mix with people socially. Yeah, shut socially. me up when you need to, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why we had you on. We don't have to do much work. We just let you go. That's the only reason we had you on. Um, <laughs> but you're one of these guys. And Max talked about like, listen, like I don't really care if I'm getting paid a lot of money. I don't really care about like, you know, what people think of me. I'm having a good time. I like talking with people. I like being in the hockey world and just being someone like invested socially deeply. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's where we're getting all our work is from Max being like, I work with Max a lot. So he gets a lot of our work just through playing hockey with people, always right. being a front, fun, friendly, loving guy. And it just, it just works out net positive when it comes to getting work. So like, what do you think about that? Like just building genuine relationships and talking, just being someone who's out there. Oh, it's more important than being good. Honestly, honestly, that is, I won't say that's everything, but it's a lot of it. Um, definitely being somebody who's willing to talk to people, willing to make connections. I think being yourself, as corny as that sounds, being yourself, being organic, 
and talking to people is what's going to get these relationships to blossom. Whether, whether you're trying to get work from somebody, like if that's, even if that's your real intention, right? Like if you want to go and get, get a, get, uh, you know, a videography job from an athlete, that relationship has to start somewhere though. And if you do come off saying, Hey, you know what I mean? I want to do work for you, but it's genuine. You're like, listen, I genuinely want to do work for you. Here's my work. Then a relationship can still blossom from there. But yeah, being just, yeah, I think, I think to that point, being willing to sort of put yourself out there, not be, you know, shy, not, not even shy, but just like ashamed of yourself or, or feel like you don't have the confidence or, Oh, I don't know if this person will like me. I definitely think people peeling away that layer of themselves opens up a whole new world. And it's hard. Not everybody can do that. Right. I'm, I'm fortunate in the sense that like in, in that way, I don't really care what other people think about me. And I, I talk and I act the way I act because you know, I know who I am as a person at the end of the day. And if, if people can't really vibe with that, then that's also cool with me because whatever, you know, life goes on. But at the same time, I think it just attracts a certain sort of mindset or people that kind of want to be around that and be around people that are, you know, really themselves and really aren't beating around the bush to try to impress other people or act a certain way. Um, but that definitely has value for sure. The thing is, what do you do if you're an introvert? Like, what do you do if you're someone who's just like, not not excited to talk to people you know mm -hmm. like are they just going to be relegated to like the lower levels of success in whatever industry so yes and no to answer the lower levels of success thing because depending on the industry you're in because you could be an introvert and work as an accountant and be quiet your whole life and do other people's taxes and never have to say anything to anybody except the people that you know you could do that and fly under the radar get a job right you, you can build up the courage to go to an interview at least, right? Like some introverts, it's like, that takes a lot for them to, all right, I'm going to go talk and answer these questions about myself. And they don't really want to talk about themselves. Boom, you get a job, you, you perform decently well, you fly under the radar your whole life. And that's that. So, but, but you can still make a lot of money doing that with an industry like ours, when it comes to the creativity, you can still be introverted and be successful because I think in two reasons, one of them being like the very alt sort of like, ooh, this person is like mysterious. I think there's value in that, right? Where it's like this person doesn't talk to anybody. Like he's really dope once you get to know him, but like he doesn't really talk to many people or she yeah. doesn't really talk to him. He's his own man. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I want to work with them so badly. Like they're so low key. You know what I mean? But if you're an introvert and you like kind of want to do this stuff, I honestly think those things take practice. And it's, it's like any other thing in life. Um, it takes practice to be extroverted or build up the courage to want to talk to people. Um, it takes, I think like practicing in the mirror, like, you know what I mean? I, I like working in front of the camera, for example, I still kind of struggle with that. It's hard to talk to a camera. Like I don't do it every day. Streamers that do it every day and have like a chat going, it's yeah, easy for them because they're, they're been getting reps. Every time I do a camera shot or I'm alone, I get better at it slowly get better every single time I do. But as my, as extroverted as I am, I still find it weird to talk to a camera and not to other people. Like how do I inflict emotion through the lens? You know what I mean? Exactly. And also how do you captivate people? Not seem so monotone. And mm -hmm. I want to hear, so I'm doing YouTube as well. And we, we've actually DM a couple of times about, um, you know, doing our own thing right? and like the, tr the struggles with it. Like when I'm about to go on camera, like I'm like freaking out, like my heart's racing and shit. Like I'm not as, I mean, outgoing as you were, you know, extroverted, but I have it a little bit in me, but I have to do like a breathing exercise before I go on. I have to like lie down with my eyes closed and be like, it's going to be good. What's oh, your, yeah. run us through what your like, like, uh, what's it called? Warm up is. Yeah. Honestly, um, for me, I just kind of go, like I just put the camera on. If I have my script ready, obviously I got to have my script ready depending on what it is. 
but then I just turn on the camera and go. And then if, if you see some of my outtakes, cause I'll be like, Oh, and that's why the Raptors like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea. <laughs> that's and what that's I say like, too. No, like, literally, this makes literally. no sense. <laughs> that's exactly what I do. Like, so it's, it's the process of the filming is, is kind of what my, I wouldn't have, I don't have a warm up, but that's kind of what I do. Like leading into it. Like I just go with the camera and I'll be like, uh, you're like, that's dumb. That's dumb. That makes no sense. So I just cut myself off and be like, all right, start again. And then we start again and I do it and I'm looking and then I'll almost get the take and be like, oh, like, oh, almost had the take. Like outside, like literally out loud to myself, this is how I speak. Like, cause obviously I'm talking to a camera out loud, right? So I just let my thoughts flow through my mouth instead of like doing it and then in my head being like, oh, that could have been better. I say out loud, oh, that could have been better. And then I keep going with it. Um, especially when it comes to stuff that like you're talking about with like filming with the camera, but it's not easy. Like it's literally not easy to talk to a camera, especially when you're alone. Um, you know, even if you have a producer there and you're doing it, it's like, at least there's somebody there that you feel like you're talking to. Yeah. Um, but I mean, breathing exercises, that's, that's also good. Like, and I, and I can understand why you feel the necessity of like the buildup to going in front of the camera. Um, but once, as time goes on, like you will definitely be so comfortable as you keep filming literally probably by six months, you'll be like, Oh, this is nothing. I was so anxious about it when I first started. And then as many reps as you'll get in, you'll be like, Oh, this is a piece of cake now. Cakewalk. And just going quickly back to university, you were a guy that was super involved with like Rams Live and doing a bunch of on-camera stuff. Do you right. think that that's something that has helped you in what you're doing now? Absolutely. Oh my God, absolutely. I can't thank Ryerson enough for the opportunities that I got there. Um, learning how to edit. I would have never thought I would know how to video edit in my whole life. I'm not even kidding. Like if you told me that at whatever high school, I'd been like, yeah, right, Photoshop. That's a joke. Um, but yes, I definitely think those opportunities that Ryerson gave me really helped me flourish in my confidence in myself as an, as talent. Um, and just getting, like I said, and just getting reps, you know, I, I, I did different things. You know, I did play by play. I did color. I hosted a panel. I did sideline reporting, um, which all are fun in their own different ways, but definitely those, the chances that I got to do there, even producing like, like, I would have never known what have gone into a producing job or what it takes to do those sort of things. If I wasn't, if I didn't get to do the things I did at Ryerson with a Rams live game, or even if it was with the production. So definitely, yeah, those opportunities were super helpful. And, um, I, that's why I wish I had more of it, man. I wish I was back in school Do another year. Go back. Yeah, Literally. I wish I was doing, I wish I flunked a, a, one of the years and did a fifth year to do more on air and Rams live. Um, but that's why I got to make opportunity for myself and do interviews myself and make that stuff happen. And like, you are one of those guys that's not only going on camera, but you're doing all the stuff behind the scenes, which is funny. Cause I think that you're kind of, at least at Ryerson, you're either in like one group, you're like the on camera person or you're the person that would edit and kind of produce and do all that stuff. But even like you mentioned earlier, gaming, there, there's guys that do, you know, that, that manage the chat and then they're producing the videos. Like, do you think that's a skill that people should be focusing on learning moving forward? Or is it something that like you could offload to someone else? Like how easy is it to kind of be both? Um, in terms of like, you're saying like the, yeah, like the editing on air side, like those two things. Those two things are like, in my mind, at least something that are like very opposite where like somebody can be like super talented technically where like they know mm -hmm. everything to do in like Premiere or Photoshop. But mm -hmm. like typically those guys aren't the best with being on air. How do you kind of like balance the two with your own work? Yeah, honestly, I definitely think being a mixed bag has value. 
in today's society. Um, you know, the days, honestly, I think the days of specialization, they're not dead and they're not dying, um, but they, they have a little bit less value. Um, and and I, what I mean by that is, like, let's just say, like, for you, Will, right? Like, you're a great videographer. You know how to be a great videographer. You know how to edit. But now, what are you doing? You're getting the on-air stuff into your bag, right? Exactly. You, you're not out here being like, yeah, I will host all of your podcasts, and I will do this for you if you work with a company. But you can be like, yeah, you know what? I can do an interview. You need me to do an interview? I can do an interview for you, right? Behind the camera, no problem. So definitely balancing both, especially when you're starting out, is, is, is something that you should do, be doing you know, let's say in whatever, if I'm lucky enough to get a permanent on-air role, I won't ever need to edit ever again. But I like to know that I'd have the ability to do that, especially when you're starting out, you need to be able to do that. It's easy. It is very easy to pawn stuff off, especially with Fiverr and, you know, the connections that people have nowadays. Like, you know, if I needed a video, if I really needed a video edited really well, or I needed something to get done, I could ask somebody else to do it. But A, do I want to lose that money? Or B, do I want to like ask a favor for something that I don't really need a favor for when I could just do it on my own? It's hard though. It's really hard. Like I have three interviews that I've done that I haven't even touched and started editing because the editing process isn't a part of my day to day. It's also mind melting how hard it, it can get and like exhausting. Oh my God. And if you're a guy who likes to move around, like you're someone who gets energy and life from like, you know, being kinetic and just getting out there and like talking and standing editing just that will make you fall asleep yeah it's it's and and honestly I, I i actually enjoy editing to that point and and i'm i can sit down and like grind it out and i really like like you know i do like whip transitions and like i'm learning how to do like you know green screen stuff obviously and doing those sort of things i love it like i actually really enjoy it and i have fun doing it it's just like if i'm if i filmed a 45 minute interview it's like how in the hell am i going to cut this down to 10 minutes and make it digestible for Instagram. Cause that's a part yeah. of my media thing, right? Is I have to make it digestible for Instagram. So how am I making a trailer? It's like, oh, I gotta think about a trailer now. I will do this later. And I just never end up doing it. But to your point though, Mose, definitely having both of those is very important. When I was in school, when we were in classes, there was, like you said, people would be on air or they'd be producing. So for me, I did my on air stuff during Rams Live. I got my opportunity to do that. So I was like, I'm gonna direct. And my teachers would be like, well, don't you want to be on air like for the rest of your life? Like, why do you want to direct? I'm like, because I'm never going to direct for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, like I'm never going to be a, a live director for a game, a sports game or a live director at Sports Center ever. I know that's not going to be my career path. So I'd rather do it now in class and know how that works. So whenever I can chat it up with the director and say, hey, yeah, you know, cutting, I know how that is life, right? <laughs> be able to understand other people's like, you know, lingo, the way that they work. Um, and to that yeah. point, it that's so true. And I think why it's good that you should be editing. I, I honestly see you as a guy who's going to be on air. You're probably not going to be an editor in your future. But the fact that you understand it, you've done it, you've gone through those pain points, you've gone through those highs and lows. When you do hire one, an editor, like you'll get it. Like when you talk to him, you're not going to just be like, where is it? Let's go. It's like, you know, it takes time. You know, it's stressful. Like you can like relate mm -hmm. and it just builds a better culture with your employees or contractors, whoever you have working for you. So like, that's also the plus side. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, yeah, it's, you, you have to know what other people's pains are, man. You can't be walking like, especially what, you know, in content creation and the world that we live in and in our space, knowing what other people are going through is so, so valuable because then not only will they work a harder for you, b care about your stuff more, but um, you know, it's, it's humility, you know, like if you were like, like, 
my music video, for example, it was supposed to, we were, we were supposed to have it edited in October. The guy who was editing it flopped, didn't really care that much. And they're like, we're so sorry, Moose. Like we're getting another guy in December. And I was like, Hey, it's fine, man. I get it. Like, I know editing is hard. I'm sure it was hard to find an editor in the first place. So it's all good with me. Like, I'm not mad about the fact that this editor wasn't committed to editing our green screen music video, you know, like it's hard, it's hard. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. So I want to switch gears to bar down. That's like a very hockey, it's a hockey centered, um, yeah. like platform. Totally. And I work in hockey, minor hockey, and we, they didn't start doing video until like 2017 when I came on board and we started building it up, like trying to align hockey with this like cool, not this like old style, like trying to inc incorporate popular music instead of that classic, right. like rock. Yeah. And I kind of want to talk to you about like how you think the game of hockey can be grown in the eyes of like the general public. So you look at basketball, they're aligned with like general pop culture right now. We got shoes, all the players can wear like the new cool shoes. Right. You got hip hop music referencing yeah. basketball, being fashion. at all the games, fashion. It's just much closer to culture, no? Yeah. They have this uh this triangle of culture, right? Hockey on their hand, it's a little hard to do that. What do you think is like the best way that, you know, media companies can align hockey with the current culture of North America or rather the world? Mm -hmm. I know that's a hard question to answer, but yeah, it is. That is a hard question to answer. Um, but what, what I'll say is so the basketball thing is because a lot of what basketball is derived from comes from hip hop culture and the Allen Iverson, right? Everybody talks about that. When Allen Iverson first was coming out of the tunnel and he was wearing do-rags and bandanas and, and baggy shorts. And when he wasn't playing, he had like jeans on. That wasn't okay. You had to wear a suit. That was the, those were the community. Those are the guidelines of the NBA. He brought hip hop culture, street culture into the NBA. Right. And that's where that blossomed from. So, you know, and then on is when you saw people come into the arena, wearing the jerseys, you know, wherein, you know, the, like their, their drip is like on point nowadays, but, but back then, even, the, but I'm saying even in the early days, right. It wasn't that serious. Now it's like a runway. Like all these guys care so much about what they wear and people know they're taking photos, but back then it was just cool for the, for the athletes to be wearing what the rappers were wearing, to be wearing what the, what the, what the pop culture, um, you know, was ref scene was referencing, right. It wasn't even fashion for them at that time. It was just, let me wear what I think is cool. Now it's just blossomed to this whole thing. With hockey, a way for them to align themselves with that comes from what you're like saying, making TikToks with video, with, with like very popular sounds. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't even say, I think that hockey needs to lean into rock culture, lean into country culture, because that's a culture of its own. Like I love country music, you know, that's like, you know, people love going to Nashville because it's a party town. People are like, oh, Nashville, like it's country. Like if you were to ask somebody, you know, explain this in NBA terms, like what's Nashville, you know, like NBA fans would might not get it, but they really need to like, like that should be something that hockey wants, like playing, like putting on country musicians, wearing cowboy hats to the stadium. Obviously, obviously wearing the clothes to the stadium is a huge part of it. Most guys, like all they teams, you have to wear a suit. all teams that you have to wear a suit. It's yeah. just like, I don't even think the NHL has guidelines. I just think that it's a team thing. Like the, every team is like certain have, owners. Yeah. yeah certain yeah, teams exactly. is like, you can't, it's only black or blue gray. Yeah. It has to be a suit. You have to look professional. Literally. Yeah. And that's, that's hockey culture. Right. And I get that. Right. You know, it's pro, you got to be on game. It's game day. Right. You got to look good. I totally understand that. But like, 
somebody, and by somebody, I'm looking at you, Austin Matthews. Somebody needs to put their foot out and wear a turtleneck to the game. Like somebody's just got to wear, I mean, they actually have, to be fair, but you need to be wearing some like Montclair jeans, a turtleneck <laughs> with a Louis Vuitton belt. You just have, somebody's got to do it. I think it's the Euro guys. I think like Elias Patterson has, has great swag. He's he's doing crazy stuff. Yep. Well, he he was talking on checklets. He was like complaining. He's like, I want to wear this stuff, but like the team is like, you just get ripped by you, the boys. Not just ripped by the boys, but management's like, well, you're not you're not focused. You're not ready to go. Why yeah. why are you worrying about what you're wearing? It's like, yeah. But that's part of the ritual of like getting into the game. Like you look good, you feel good, you play good. Mm-hmm. But also, it's just like expressing yourself. Like, that's why I like it with the NBA is like, even in their celebrations, how they act when like you drain a three, the whole bench goes crazy. Like you're interacting with the bench like that. that it's just building this feeling of like, like, oh, it's I'm with my boys playing. Mm-hmm. And I like watching that. Whereas hockey, sometimes it's a bit of that disconnect, you know, it's like mm-hmm. not it's not kosher to selly hard. Yeah, and, and I get it. The thing is, it's like I get it. I really get why the NHL is like that because just watching, right? It's like a guy can go from a second liner to irrelevant if another guy takes a spot. It's literally next man up. So it doesn't matter how good you are, John Tavares, for example, even though he's probably irreplaceable, right? It doesn't matter how good you are because we will find somebody else to replace you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's enough talent. There's enough people out there that want opportunity, which is a bad way to look at things because the NBA is like that too. There's only what, whatever it is, 250 people, 150 people in the NBA. It's like 1% of all the players in the world. Um, so it's, I, but I, and I understand the way that's why that's the way hockey is. Like, don't worry though, you know, play for the team, play for the name at the front of the Jersey, all that kind of stuff. I get it. But, and that mold will will not break for a very long time which is why i say to answer that question that out people like us bar down need to break that mold of hockey culture by showing off the way that these guys dress showing off their personalities trying to you know do something put something out there where people are like oh these guys aren't just like joe schmoes who you know do nothing all day um they actually have personality and they do funny things and they do things that are cool when looking at the content in like me, like media content and hockey and lining with pop culture, like I saw, I, I know most saw, but did you see Mo, um, Moose the OVO Gretzky video? Yeah, yeah, oh, so cool. Stuff. But I'm like, okay, it's cool. He's the great one. It's like Canadian, like hero classic. But like he's kind of done hockey. It'd be cool mm-hmm. if OVO was linking up with Toronto guys. Like yeah. OVO does the. Um, the Raptors jersey, they have like the the design on it. I'm like, what if the Leafs could incorporate that? It just feels like what is, mm-hmm. what's missing? Why aren't these two worlds connecting more? And I just think if they could get more content like that Gretzky video out for other hockey players who are current, cool guys right. like Austin Matthews, mm-hmm. that would help. It would. It would totally help. But part of that is, and I mean, to be fair, like Austin Matthews did like a GQ cover, which was dope, right? Like, wow, this guy showed off his personality and was like a front, front cover of a magazine. Um, but where the disconnect is, is like, is, uh, you know, Vladimir Sabotka going to do that? Probably not. Is, <laughs> you know, Nikolai Ehlers going to do that? Probably not. Like, are these second line guys, are these, even if they're paid, a lot of them are paid, right? Are these guys who are not really superstars, kind of well-known, have a decent following going to be doing that sort of stuff? No, it's the, it's basically only the superstars and even then it's only a slim amount of the superstars so i think that that has to come 
externally first that I think people really need to like buy in. Like the Matt Duchesne who like plays guitar and like sings country music. It's like, why hasn't Matt Duchesne released an album? Like who's stopping Matt Duchesne from releasing a country album? Who's stopping Matt Duchesne from being on the cover of, maybe he is, like maybe he was on the cover of like a country magazine. I actually don't know, it's possible. But those guys really need to like lean into their, their personality and all that stuff and not worry about it after. That's why Paul Bissonnette and Ryan Whitney and these guys are doing this stuff after. They want to act like that when they're in, a, in the NHL. And they do when they're in the dressing room, but they can't act like that to the media. You know, and the fans don't see it. I think that's the biggest part. And we're kind of in, I actually want to bring this back to what you're doing with athlete tech group, because I think we're in this interesting place with athletes where like it doesn't, biz is a great example, right? He's a third line guy for his whole career in the NHL. And he's made this, this career that's almost even more successful in the media. And a lot of that has come. Yeah. Way more successful. Like he's making money off this pink Whitney hand over fist. Right. Mm -hmm. But what, what do athletes really need to do today? Like, what kind of content can they be putting out um, to connect with fans? Because that's kind of part of your role and part of what Athlete Tech Group is kind of doing right now. So maybe walk us through that. Yeah, well, I mean, I can walk you guys through the Athlete Tech Group stuff. Um, but what I'll say is, yeah, like these, like, content is king, as we know. Like, again, with the corny stuff. But JaVale McGee and Matthias Theibel were both vlogging during the NBA bubble. Matthias Theibel for a minute there was the most popular guy in the NBA. I'm not even like for a minute. He was like, people were like, like Matthias Theibel saving the NBA. Give this guy, give this guy a championship just for making these vlogs. What such a simple idea. Everybody vlogs, everybody vlogs who, whatever people who are on YouTube and, and are content creators. Everybody vlogs their day to day. Matthias Theibel did it and was getting hundreds of thousands of views. JaVale McGee started doing it. Hundreds of thousands of views. If these NHL guys started to give a look at to what their life is like, just in general, if they started vlogging, even if it was five-minute vlogs, hundreds of thousands of views, I'm telling you. If it was one, especially if it was like somebody who's like really popular, like JaVale McGee, people know JaVale McGee in the NBA, Shaq and a Fool, all that kind of stuff, but he's not a star by any means. He's a backup center. And Matthias Theibel, again, young up-and-coming star, was like a backup backup wing. But people were loving what they were putting out. If these players started doing that and started taking a role as content creators, because that's what they need to do. They need to step into a role as content creators and stop looking at themselves as athletes. It's another job and it's another lifestyle. Um, but with Athlete Tech Group, we're trying to meld these conversations with these athletes to help them understand their value as content creators as well as giving them investment opportunities. Cause we also give them um, conversations within tech and trying to get them to invest in tech because a lot of these, like when these athletes retire, they don't really know what to do with their money or their time. So you want them to give them an outlet into tech and kind of get them interested in these companies and how they can sort of help, but also giving them advice. Like how do you become a content creator? Do you need to hire a producer? Do you need to, can you do it all on your own? Do you need to get a camera person? A lot of these things they don't know. Like I didn't know when I was coming into Ryerson. I didn't know I had to edit with Premiere. I didn't know that I had to do 1080 by 1080 square for Instagram. I didn't know how to do all this stuff. So is there a way to maybe get a company or people to help these NHL and hockey players all over the world to get them to be content creators? Probably. Maybe there's, you know what I mean? There's. Well, Will, Will can probably touch on that because he's actually working with the uh, he's working with the classic guys that aren't quite in the NHL right now, um, but they're getting drafted. And I mean, like, you can obviously speak to that, Will, but you've been really hands-on with getting them to publish content. 
a little bit here and there, but the problem is they're, they're, they're so young. So you're kind of building these relationships now because in minor hockey, they're like, whatever, 15, 16. So you're kind of getting to know them now. They know you, that we do video and hopefully they transition into building some kind of personal brand. The problem is hockey culture. You get in the room, everyone's chirping you if you're putting yourself out there. I watch PK Subban's vlogs and like they're kind of awkward sometimes. Like he's like has his camera guy following him. He's like shouting out to some of his teammates and they kind of go like, uh yeah man yeah like they're not in it to like put on a show whereas if i watch like other um like nba vlogs like the boys are just having a good time they're all putting on a show they're just there's more flavor and and life to it they like being in front of the camera that's what it is and you you see it in the celebrations and like the way everyone's like just hanging on the court playing like it it's almost like I just think it's hockey culture top down, not necessarily the players, but like the management that say, oh, you Absolutely. look like you're having too much fun. You're not working hard. You're not doing the right Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. But it's top down. How, how do you change that? You can't. It's just time and getting young leaders in there to, you know, take a step forward. That's the only exactly. way. That's the only way. Like, like, you know, even, like you, it's literally getting young people in those positions and letting them be like, yeah, you know, whatever. like, for example, the Coyotes. If, or the hurricanes, oh my God, that stuff that the hurricanes were doing post-game was life-changing, life-changing for the NHL, literally life-changing. Like, as small as it is, so I guarantee you half of those guys on the hurricanes are like, yo, we can definitely do like this content stuff or be funny. You know what I mean? They, I'm sure they think that. They're like, yo, this is cool. Like, we're leaning into this. More teams need to like lean into that. And it does come from the top down and having younger people in those positions or coaches that are down. Rod Brindamore is their coach. He just retired from the NHL, like, you know, not too long ago, but he's not 75, right? Like he's not an old coach. He was just playing. He's like, I remember what it was like to have fun. I remember what it was like to want to chill with my boys. I remember. So yeah, let's celebrate after the game. Let's do the dunk contest. Let's do all this fun stuff. As long as we keep winning and you guys care about winning. And they're like, obviously we care about winning. We're hockey players. We're athletes. So younger people, like you said, and people that can relate to these athletes in those positions is going to be critical for the NHL to sort of like step into this role as of content and, you know, foolishness, let's call it, because it is all foolish. It it is foolishness. And I relate to people when, you know, I love biz because he'll just like say some stuff that like I probably would never say out loud, like all his like kill stories and all this stuff. Like it's kind of messed up to say this stuff out loud, like the shitty Cindy story. Mm -hmm. Like you need that more. Like you need that. Like that's what like I kind of relate to is he's like talking about a drunken night, but Mm-hmm. It's kind of not kosher. I don't but know. You what don't you need do to about be that. talking about drunken nights, though. Is Matthias Thibel going to his boys no. like, "Hey, yo, did you guys like do like you know do X, Y, and Z last night?" No, man, that's not what it is. It's yo, I smashed you in two K like you're trash, and it's like, no, true, shut yeah, up, yeah. Shut up. What do we got for breakfast? You know, that's what it, that's what you know. He's like, yo, what are we eating right now? And he's like, yeah, what's up, coach? What's going on, coach? And they're like, hey, what's up, Javale? And like, he's holding the camera and filming himself, right? Like, and to your point about the PK Subban thing. That is where the education needs to come in on how you're able to meld the two worlds. I don't need a Vogue guy who I don't know following PK Subban into the locker room filming me. You know what I mean? We don't need that. Genuine. And most other NBA locker rooms don't need that either. You know what I mean? Open gym for the, for the Raptors, for example. They have full access and that's what they do. But Kyle Lowry doesn't have a videographer filming him. You know what I mean? Going to like, or going into practice and doing all that stuff. It's the, it's the athlete themselves filming, which is 
that is, has more value. That gives you the ability to be like, oh yeah, I'm down like PK or whoever's like filming is like, yo, I'm down to like be in this video or like, yo, like, you know, like whatever, you know, Hey, yo, busy. Like, yo, you're chilling. Like you're, yo, you got some weight on here. eh? And it's like, oh yeah, that's jokes. That's jokes. That's funny. But to have somebody else filming. So now we're having this conversation. Maybe that's where the disconnect lives, right? Like they don't want to be giving stuff out in their private lives, but if it's the player, they understand, they know that the player knows things that they shouldn't say and things that they shouldn't do because they've been in NHL locker rooms before. So that's sort of where it can be like, okay, I trust this guy to be able to not put content where I go, yo, I just like, you know what I mean? I said something that's a little offside and I don't want that out there. Well, is this conversation happening at bar down? Like having a conversation about trying to change the media that's uh, presenting hockey to the world? Yes. Yes. And I say that with a little bit of a question mark because part of what we have to do is just getting the content out there. Um, you know, it's like, like, like I said, you got to have just stuff going. So the conversation can only go so far before you go, we need to post the jerseys, the new jerseys that are coming out, right? Like every kind of conversation gets stymied by the fact that we need to like get things out there, which is fine because there's a demand that needs to be met by our fans and our audience. But yes, there is a conversation being had about how we can make this stuff look cool, how we can make this sort of hockey culture relevant and funny and entertaining. Um, whether it's we, whether we make a graphic to ask a question like, what's your favorite celebration, right? You know, is it the nail Yakupov slide? Is it the, you know, the, the high skate jump? Um, um, who was that? Is it Paul Henderson? Am I tripping? Wait, the, the high kick? No, Nair, no, no. The high kick? I think you're talking about the high kick, no? No, no, not that. But you know when the guy like jumps up with his skates like up and down? I forget who it is, damn. Oh, that old run. that old school Selly? Are you talking yeah, about like yeah, the old? Yeah, yeah, it's like old school Selly. Exactly. That, rem- exactly. that reminds me of like when I was watching The Last Stand. Like the 80s in basketball was so nerdy looking. Like their Sellies were so brutal. Oh my God, like, yeah. People man. would get ripped these days. They would sell you like this and jump their hands up. <laughs> yeah, man. No, of course. Just like, just like. Oh yeah, totally. So, so, so corny. Um, but yes, that conversation is definitely something that we're trying to put in the forefront. And, but like I said, we can only do so much, right? We can, there's, we can only do with what we're given. So if I don't see, you know, Artemi Panarin posting pictures of him, like all dripped out and off white, where am I supposed to get, you know what I mean? That content from like, how much can I pull teeth before it's like, all right, I've only got gums to show because all of the teeth that you, that you pulled are gone. Yeah. You know, we need, you know, the baby teeth are gone. We need to grow new teeth. We need to grow new content. These NHL athletes and hockey players need to step into this role and help us. Cause like I said, we can only do so much. And obviously there's so much content out there and if you keep your eyes open, I'm sure there's like, I'm sure people post funny stories of them at the cottage doing something funny. I'm sure that exists. Right. But it's just not really forward facing. And the culture is a part of that. So trying our best to sort of mix the two sort of communities of this is the content we have. Let's try to make it funny and digestible. Also getting help from the players as well. That's like, this is sort of, this is the content you need to be pushing in order for us to make you guys mega superstars. Absolutely. I want to switch gears just quickly right now. Right now, uh, you're working for a network, you're working for a couple different places, but you have this Moose Media thing that's kind of growing on the side and you're doing these interesting interviews. Do you see yourself in the future pursuing kind of your own thing or are you just kind of happy where you are right now? Honestly, honestly, I'm happy. I mean, 
the future that's that is a long conversation to be honest because there's so many things that i want to achieve in my life and things that i want to do um i'm happy with the way i'm happy with where i am right now because a i'm getting paid to be working at bar down b i still have the ability to do what i want to do and pursue interviewing and do that sort of thing like i said earlier you're only you're only limit limited by what you think you can and can't do and i believe that I can keep pursuing this stuff as much as I want to and, and do these like grind. Like, like I said, I'm a little bit demotivated these days, but I could grind Moose Media every hour of every day, go to bar down, work my shifts, work on bar down stuff and go around the clock. Like it wouldn't be hard for me um, because I have that outlet and I have the ability to find these things uh, and these opportunities. I think down the line, I had a conversation with somebody, maybe I'll have like a production company and I'll be a freelancer. I've honestly never liked the idea of freelancing. It's never been a thing for me. I've liked the idea of security of working for a company, basically being like, here's a paycheck, go make content for us, you know, for sure. go produce a documentary, go host a podcast, go do all these things. That's sort of like, like in like the Bill Simmons ringer type way where it's like, I can do a 30 for 30 and then also host a podcast and also do like cool interviews Here's like, you know, and you work for a company. I've always loved that idea, but the way things are going, I'm not closing the door on the, on the idea of me maybe running a production company and having some videographers, having a couple of producers and having some on-air talent and being able to spread that out to different companies. And then me being at the forefront of it and working for, you know, doing different commercials or doing like an ad or doing ad reads. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely happy with the way I am, but I think there's still so much room for growth and that all literally pins on me and how much effort and work I'm willing to put in. Absolutely. I think Bardown's kind of one of those interesting places that like in 20, when I joined in 2018, um, Jesse Pollock's the first kind of name that stands out to me because we were, we were effectively doing the same thing with, you know, creating content and being on that clock. And then TSN has really leaned into original content these past couple of years. And Jesse has blown yeah. up this huge following. Um, and it's like one of those things where you're posting TikToks, and you're like on the edge of hockey culture and you're involved. Um, who knows? Right. Maybe maybe in a couple months you have 50K followers and then you can kind of pursue your own thing. Yeah, totally. It's, um, yeah. Kind of on that note, on that note, it didn't really leave you much there. Um, I want to just kind of put, uh, wrap things up quickly by asking. So we talked about being the personality and kind of doing the behind the scenes and yeah. really creating your own thing. Um, mm. What's it like? I know one of the best things about doing this podcast together with Will is that we kind of have someone there in the trenches kind of doing, uh, splitting the load almost. Right. What's it like managing that grind on your own? Oh my God. It's the worst possible thing that you could do to yourself as a human being. <laughs> um, it's hard because no one holds you accountable and you're your own boss and you have to do it. And it's really easy for me, especially as a 23 year old to be lazy and think that there's all this time in the world to do stuff. And like, you have time, don't worry about it. It's really bad because like I said, I, you, you can force yourself not to do the work. Cause you're like, Oh, whatever. Like I, I did the interviews. Like all I need to do is edit them now. Psh, that's easy peasy. If I just do it for six hours or, sit, or if I sit and do it for six hours, another six hours, I'll be fine. But it's so easy to do that and neglect it that, um, you know, I wish I had somebody to keep me accountable or I had an editor, but the thing is I don't want to have an editor because a, I have my own vision of the way I want things to look. And obviously you can do work with an editor and do that and tell them how you want it to, to, to sort of pan out. 
Um, but also B, it makes me do stuff, right? It forces me to go edit and forces me to be creative and do all of those things. So it's really hard for, um, you know, for me to complain, so to speak, because again, I'm the one who's like banging my head against the wall being like, just start working, just start working. <laughs> but I'm like, uh, I could also just like scroll TikTok for a little yeah. bit and just or play um, 2k or do anything. <laughs> yeah. I could just, let me just watch a couple of YouTube videos, just a couple. Yeah. And then next thing you know, so it's and I'm like, literally you're, 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 you're learning about QAnon. you're like what the hell is this <laughs> i'm like i didn't know that you know british airways was invested in uh, like random stuff i'm like where did i get this video from 9-11 was an inside job and now you're the now you're the crazy guy at the party talking some guy's ear off who's just trying to chill on friday night yeah but I mean, you got to have some sort of support system. Like Moses is saying, we have each other in the trenches. Like if I'm feeling down, I'm like, Mose, what do I need to do? Or like, I need, we need this. And like, he kind of just like pulls me out of a rut. And I, the same thing for him, to, um, from right. me to him. Right. Um, like, you, do you have any support systems? Like, how do you, like, if we're t speaking to other people who have their own venture, they're alone, like, what do you mm -hmm. think is a good support system? Right. To pull um, you out of those ruts. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for me, when it comes to the media thing, like I only have myself to rely on and myself to, 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 to really focus on it with, because I mean, I know like one, one of my friends kind of like keeps me motivated, so to speak, where he goes like, Oh, like what's happening, but I don't have anybody like being like, Oh, yo, when's that video coming out? Or like, you know, kind of pushing my button to be like, Hey, what's happening or what's going on. And I think that's just kind of the situation that I'm in. But I think for people that are, are doing it alone, um, you need to be a self-starter at the end of the day as much as having somebody else there, because if you're working in a creative process with somebody else, the way you guys are, that's amazing because you do have that sort of support. But if you're your own content creator and you make your own videos or you make your own TikToks, nobody else is going to tell you to get up and do it. No one else is going to be like, Hey, like, even if the, even if they did, this is a thing, right? You guys have to hold each other accountable in the sense that this is your podcast. You're doing it together. You got to edit stuff. But you know, if let's say, well, you're doing a videography thing for the GTHL, so to speak, and you're, and you did it alone. It's like Moe's can only text you so much to say, yo, when are, you, when are you doing that GTHL video? You're like, oh, I'll get it done because you don't have, it doesn't owe Moe's anything for you to get, for, it, for you to get it done. You know, it doesn't, he can just motivate you, but he's not going to be the one that's going to sit down and do the edit. Whereas if you're doing an edit for the podcast, let's say you're like, well, I know Moe's needs this done by tomorrow. So that way, and he's going to do the edit on this. So let's, you know what I mean? Let's kind of get stuff done together. If you're doing something on your own, as bad as like, Tough as this sounds, no one else and no other text or no other form of communication is going to make you get up off of your bum and sit at the computer and edit the, edit the podcast, film the video. You got to do it on your own. You got to look yourself in the mirror and say, it's time to work. It's time to grind. Stop, stop being lazy. And um, there's no other way to put it other than you, me, like you, it's all about you and yourself and your motivation. Well, the thing I want to close on before uh, the end of the episode, I know we've had you for about an hour and a half now because we've had a little technical difficulties, but <laughs> you sure were you were working game ops and stuff for the uh, Raptors. I know this was like last season when they yes. won the championship. Like, I just want to dive into like, what was the culture like and the atmosphere working with, was it with MLSC you were working with or what? Yes. Yeah, MLSC. Like, um, I want to hear some stories and like how you were feeling through it because I know there's a bunch of Ryerson guys too. Like Ivan was working with the Raptors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You've all started working with us. Um, that working with the Raptors is, and will remain one of the best experiences that I've ever had in my life. 
I met some of the best people that I could ever meet in my life. I wish I got to see them more on a daily basis. Imagine like <laughs> you got like I'm look, I'm out there and I'm happy and I and I scream and do all that stuff, but being in a room with a ton of other people that don't that that do that makes you even happier. And um because all those people are highly motivated. They all have their own jobs. They all, they just, they do the, we all do it as a side hustle, man. We got to go to games. Like that's what was our gig was. It's not like we were working nine to five. We would go to games in the nighttime. A lot of people would work during the day and come there at night. Um, we were all like-minded, you know, we all loved sports. We loved the Raptors. We loved competition. We loved creating, right? We loved doing fun things. Like we, we had to go to the stands and yell at people like, you know, like let's go Raptors. Like that's incredible in and of itself. And, you know, you've got to be fun and engaging. So that experience was great. I mean, I was in the background of the Kawhi shot. So that's my claim to fame. You'll always have life. that moment but now. Please I'll tell me, be... please tell me you have that on your wall or something. That's gotta you know be, what? that's gotta be printed. It's, the background. it's crazy because guys, it's actually, I did the stupidest thing I could have done. So this thing here is like a I'm a season seat holder. So I got a gift from the team. I have another piece of like art here that was DeMar DeRozan's 52nd game, like a framed thing. They were selling that shot as a framed thing. And I was like, oh, I'll buy it. Like I'll wait. Cause it was like 200 bucks or like $350. And I was like, let me just wait till I buy it. Boom. The next day game I got there, they were sold out. No, I oh was so upset at myself. I'm gonna, I'm still waiting to get that specific one, which is why I haven't put it up there. I actually have like a spot saved for it here. Um, but yeah, I'm going to get that shot most definitely. But that moment of Kawhi hitting the shot was, I like everything, it, everything was moving in slow motion. First and foremost, he let the shot go. And it was just like, like literally in the movies when like the one person shoots the final shot and there's zero seconds left on the clock and you're watching it. That's how I felt watching the ball. And I was like, watching, looking, looking, you know, it bounces, it bounce, bounces, bounce, it, bounce, bounce. And then. As soon as the ball goes in, it was like somebody took a vacuum seal and like put it right on the ACC. And it was like, it was quiet, like quiet. I couldn't hear a thing after the shot went in. And I started to like, I think I blacked out for a second, but like this thing started to come to. And it was like somebody had the audio on in a movie. And started to like slowly turn up the audio. I kid you not. And all I hear is like, and it gets to like full volume and people are going nuts and I'm losing my mind. And I'm looking at my buddy who's working for me and I'm hugging random people. I don't know. I'm kissing babies. I'm shaking hands. I was losing my mind, but it literally went quiet for a second and slowly started to get louder. It was the most like un unbelievable in i don't even have words to describe how that feeling was and the sound that that i had in that moment like i'm and i'm sure other people that were in the arena experienced it the same way i did because people were like what you didn't hear anything i'm like dude i literally couldn't hear anything it was just like quiet for a second and then it just slowly started to get loud and i was like oh my gosh i went in like oh my god the shot went in and like I said, I just started to go into like, I'm like crying. I was crying. And like, this dude was like, yeah, bro, I wish I could cry too. Like, and I was like, hey, you wish you could cry, bro. I'm bawling my eyes out. You can cry with me if you want, man. Um, yeah, but that was, that was awesome. I mean, I've met some great people as well at the games. Um, you know, uh, Daniel Caesar, Drake, uh, you know, Jesse Reyes, all these people. Um, you know, they're not, they're not my boys or anything, but I've had like 
running experiences with uh, some celebrities, which is great and really, really fun. See, I'm looking at the photo right now. I'm trying to find you because I want to put this so, on uh, the podcast. Which one right. is it? Is it the classic so, one or is it a different? No, angle? no, it's not the classic one. So the one that's on the opposite side of the court. Yeah. So you, you, the one that has the whole, all the fans in the background, you see it? Yeah, I think so. So if you look to the right of the 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 net, I'm wearing a blue bucket hat and I'm biting my yeah, nails in an all red suit. <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> there I he love is. hearing yeah. this. <laughs> I just remember that series was so crazy because it, it was the second round and the Raptors had had that history of losing and everyone, yeah. not everyone, I guess at TSM, but it was almost a foregone conclusion that they were going to lose this series. And then they yeah. turn it around and go mm-hmm. rattle off a I, championship. I honestly wish I was the hands up guy. Like I wish I was the dude that did this because I obviously you're not thinking that far ahead, but I wish I had my hands up before the shot went in because if people were taking the shot, I would have been the only guy in the audience like this right and then i would have lived even more in the lore of the background of the shot because then it would have been like yo you're the guy that had his hands up but obviously nervous moose is biting his nails everyone's that's classic because that's literally all i do whenever i'm nervous i bite my nails so every single time like people would come up to me and like they'd slap my hand and be like stop biting your nails moose so they were like it's honestly perfect that you were because that's that's embodies you as a person when you watch raptors games yeah, when I'm nervous, I'm just eating a hot dog or something. My, my <laughs> mouth is full of something. But Moose, man, that's an amazing story. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, do you want? Do you want to? Do you want to plug anything like your Instagram or your YouTube or anything? Before we um, close yeah, guys, hit up my OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm already. I'm in the top one percent of creators, so <laughs> I'm actually in the top zero point seven percent. Wow, this guy's big time. Which apparently all of them are. Yeah. From what I've seen. But no, honestly, yeah. Um, if you guys want to see more of my content, uh, hit me up at Moose Media underscore. Um, I'm going to be putting out some more interviews, hopefully. You know, I've got uh, two of them in the bag right now that I got to finish doing, but I'm just going to be putting stuff out there, just trying to make content. Uh, the comedy stuff, hopefully, is coming soon on that channel as well. And I'm going to be doing the YouTube. So my YouTube link is in, is in the Moose Media page. So yeah, just follow me there. Um, but yeah, you don't want to follow my personal cause I'm definitely greasy. Uh, you don't want to see any of that. Just, just follow <laughs> bucket my, hats, bucket yeah, hats and late content, nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But thanks so much guys. This was awesome. Yeah. Appreciate you having on, man. Of course. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. See you guys next week. Ciao.